So I don't know about you. I was a little bit sad this week. Why was I sad? Well, yes, well done. A few of you got it. That is quite exciting. We finished our 40 days with Jesus. Excuse me, fiddling with that, trying to get it at the right height. We finished our 40 days with Jesus uh, series that I thought went really, uh, really well. Uh, Hands up, who's got to the end of the devotional? Well done. Uh, If you're new or visiting and have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. Um, But 40 Days with Jesus was this program we did following on after Easter, where we went through some of the post-resurrection encounters that Jesus had with his disciples. So once Jesus had raised from the dead on that glorious Easter Sunday, we took some time just looking at all the different appearances that Jesus made to his disciples over the next 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And last week, for those of you that were here, we looked at some of the last words Jesus said to his disciples before he was taken up into heaven and ascended. And among them, he said, wait here in Jerusalem. Wait here, because what my father promised and what I've been talking about, until what I've promised and what my father has been talking about, other way around, God, dearie me, wait here in Jerusalem until what my father has promised and I have told you about comes, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit got there in the end. And the passage that we had read to us tonight, this Pentecost passage and it's Pentecost Sunday, a day we have every year where we remember this event when the Holy Spirit came in this new way for the first time. And it is a wonderful passage. And what I love doing about it is actually looking at it today, having spent this time looking at Jesus' encounters with his disciples, but actually looking and seeing what happened when the Holy Spirit does indeed come. Because it makes a huge difference to the disciples. Jesus' appearance has transformed them in one way. But I think like what Patrick was saying at the start, when the Holy Spirit comes, it like everything's there and ready in the disciples. But the Holy Spirit just suddenly is that switch, that person that comes that just brings everything to life in the disciples and particularly in Peter. And we see as this event happens, 3,000 people we're told, come to know Jesus that very same day. And I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna try not to talk for too long and there's just a couple of things I really want to, to, to say about the Holy Spirit, about who he is and what he does. And the first is simply this, is that the Holy Spirit is for all of us, every single one of us here. No one is excluded from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the reading that Claire uh, read to us, I wonder if you noticed right at the start in verse 1, it told us that all the disciples were gathered together, waiting just as Jesus had told them to do in, uh, into Jerusalem. And it actually was the festival of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival. 50 days uh, after the Passover was separated, there was this festival called called Pentecost. And it was primarily a very joyful uh, celebration. 
about celebrating the harvest that God had given them through, uh, through the grain. The second harvest of the summer. The harvest that was going to help keep them going through the winter months to produce bread, but also uh, keep their seeds and fuel ready for the next harvest next year. I wonder if it's not quite a coincidence, but perhaps a, a God incidence, that at this festival, it's this festival that God uses when the Holy Spirit comes. Something that is going to bring us nourishment. The Holy Spirit gives us nourishment. But also, as we will see, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, seeds to plant in other people to make God known in those that we meet. So this Holy Spirit is for all. And in verse 1, they're gathered at Pentecost, all of them, about 115 of them. And then verse 4, we're told the Holy Spirit comes and all of them are filled There's no discrimination or choosing or picking of people. Those that are more faithful, those that are more outgoing, those that have followed Jesus the longest. But all of them, we're told, are filled with the Holy Spirit. Wasn't something that was just given to the 12, those that were closest, but every single one. And even Peter says later on when he starts his sermon that we just heard the opening words of, in opening little part of it in our reading, he quotes from the Old Testament, from the book of Joel, which the first line is, he says, no, let me explain what's happening to you. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about when he says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's for everyone. And I just want to make this really clear for you, So just so... I just want to really drum this in that the Holy Spirit is for all of us. Later on when Peter is, is speaking, this is outside the reading that, that we have. Uh, he's talking to them and the crowd asks, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, these 3,000 people, it was more that were listening, but 3,000 were baptised that day. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes, this promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all who call on the Lord our God. It's for every single one of us. And this is a new event that is happening. Past in the Bible, in the Old Testament uh, scriptures, we've seen the presence of God uh, come by his spirit in various different ways. Clouds descending on the tabernacle when they were in the wilderness or on top of mountains with Moses. Um, We've seen uh, one or two people be called out and be able to go into the cloud and be close to the presence of God. They come out and they're a bit transformed by it, but it, it, it wears off. Or a few characters in the Old Testament, they have the Holy Spirit come, come and rest on them. But here in this room, don't we, we see the Holy Spirit coming down, filling the room, but also filling all the people that are in there. This is something very different. And this, has been, uh, this is now available to each and every one of us through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Through receiving the forgiveness through him dying for us and taking our sins away. But also, this is the gift of new life that Jesus comes and gives to all of us as well. It's new life to follow him. And we have the Holy Spirit coming in and equipping and helping us to to, to do that. 
I don't know about you, but the person of the Holy Spirit is sometimes uh, perhaps the hardest person of the Trinity to get our heads around. With God the Father, we can use sort of uh, very easily more use earthly analogies. We can think of uh, our fathers, perhaps, or good fathers there are in the world, and we can get some kind of concept around that. Incidentally, if you've had a bad father, that's sometimes why people can sometimes struggle with a concept of God the Father if they've had a bad example of that. But we do have sort of an earthly example of that. Same with, with Jesus the Son, a, a, a man who that we can look to and kind of uh, relate to. Whereas if you're anything like me, when I was at school, I was always told to be suspicious and not trust um, anything you can't see or you can't test empirically. And we can have a little bit more suspicion about who the Holy Spirit is. But it is real. It, it actually is not an it. It's a person. A real living person. God himself coming and being around us and in us. God himself in us. And there are tangible things that we can see from the Holy Spirit. When this Holy Spirit comes and falls on the place, we hear it described like a violent wind coming from heaven. There's sound. There is a tangible thing that can be heard, not just by those in the room, but it's actually uh, something that attracts other people to come and see what's going along, along with when they're filled as well. We see the visible nature of the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire, things like, again, tongues of fire coming and resting on the disciples. This is a real pouring out. I don't know if any of you were here in midweek and um, when we were watching the short video um, talk, when Jesus was talking about, I will pour out my spirit. Dave Smith used that analogy, didn't he? Of it. This is not a, sort of a, a trickle of water. This is like uh, God saying he's going to totally drown and drench people in a bit like the Niagara Falls was the analogy that he uses. And you can sense that here, that when the Holy Spirit comes, there's this roaring sound like a wind but it's only just like a wind because it's, it's from heaven. There's something different about it. And it's around them. But it doesn't just stay around them. It comes and rests on them and in them. And there's visible things that happen that we can see and hear. I don't know if you've ever been in places where you really feel that you can sense the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's a place where you go where you can sense a, a, a great peace and a great joy and a real closeness to God. I love being in places like that. There's a few places uh, that hold very special sort of place moments in, or yeah, very special place in my heart because of moments that I've had. In them, Sometimes uh, I come in here quite often in fact and I feel a great sense of peace. But there's a, there's a room in, in a house that actually somebody I know still lives in, in a church where I grew up and it has a very, every time I go in there I just can really sense and feel God because it's a moment where uh, I really experience the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way and it's really special to me. I wonder if there's places like that. I wonder if when you're in this service you can feel and sense God around you. Well, what we learn about 
the Holy Spirit and this day of Pentecost is we can feel and tangibly sense God's Spirit in and around us. But as you do that, can I also just encourage you to not just feel and sense the Holy Spirit around you, but to invite him in to come and rest and fill you up on the inside as well. That's what happened in the disciples and it equipped them for what God had prepared for them. It can be quite a scary thing to do, actually, to be totally open to be filled by the Spirit because we can uh, wonder what God is going to uh, do to us. Are we going to drown? I love swimming. I don't get to do it very often. Um, I love swimming, but I have to confess I'm actually a bit of a wimp when it comes to cold water. So I do like swimming, but I tend to only go swimming when I know the pool is going to be of a certain temperature or if it's really, really hot. But the best thing I love about swimming is actually going down under the water and just swimming under the water. There's something much better about swimming under the water than just swimming over the surface because you're totally surrounded by it and you just feel like none of your energy is wasted and you can just really glide through the water and move really, really fast. But if, we underwater, if I'm underwater and I know that, I know actually if I open my mouth and try and breathe when I'm underwater, that's not a good thing to do. It can be quite, yeah, that's not going to be a good thing to do, is it? Well, I might get to heaven a bit quicker, but anyway, it's not a good thing to do. And I often think actually, it's a silly analogy, but I often think actually sometimes that's how we can be with God and with the Holy Spirit is we can be happy to have God all around us but sometimes we can be reluctant to really just totally give ourselves over to him and allow him in fully into our hearts and minds and we can hold back a bit but can I just encourage you that actually we shouldn't do that. We are not going to drown. God is not going to do us harm. He's going to do us good. Letting the Holy Spirit into us is going to change and transform us and equip us in the way that we're really meant to be. God will come and be in us and help us to grow and become more that person that God designed us and wanted us to be. Did you see what happened after the Holy Spirit comes and fills the disciples? It builds up the closeness of the community, isn't it? The Holy Spirit comes and he makes the community of God closer together. The Spirit descends, they're able to talk to one another and understand each other in a way that has not been able, they've not been able to before. The word tongues used here, there's been a lot of discussion over it. Didn't all the disciples in that room, didn't they all speak Aramaic because they were there? Actually, we don't know the makeup of all the disciples in the, in the room. Um, so 
Therefore, if they all spoke Aramaic, these tongues, it must be a heavenly language. And other people know, but you have all those people outside that say they can understand uh, the disciples speaking in their own languages. Therefore, it can't be a heavenly language. It must just be the Holy Spirit enabling them to speak all these different languages. And other people saying, no, it's the Holy Spirit enabling them to understand the heavenly language. I don't think we need to get bogged down in that. I think the Holy Spirit is able to do both of those. Let's have our cake and eat it. Perhaps it's all going on here. The point is is what is happening here is when the Holy Spirit comes, God is sort of enabling or is actively starting out doing what Jesus told his disciples to do, isn't it? That great commission, going and making disciples and followers of all nations. We had the, uh, those verses in there that Claire did very well with about all those different groups of people from all over the place coming in different languages. And God's message through the Holy Spirit reaching and communicating and being understood by all those different people. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for all of us and it's a gift that's available for all people to make God's good news known to the world. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. It transforms a community from just being a closed group to a small group of people to being a community that is brought together, can communicate and understand one another, but can also reach out to others. It equips the Holy Spirit. He equips us for mission. And the Holy Spirit uh, descends as well. They speak all these languages, but also he equips uh, Peter to stand up. And we heard the beginning of this amazing sermon that he begins speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit in him. Did you notice as well, there were different types of responses to what was happening? I think when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and when God is at work, it's naturally quite an attractive thing. When you live for Christ, wherever you are in your work, I think, or at home, or with your friends, or at school, or wherever it is, I think people tend to spot and see the difference that God makes in your life. But I think, just like there is in this passage, people notice, but they often respond in different ways. Right at the start here, when the Holy Spirit comes and descends and all this stuff is going on, people gather, they're interested, they want to find out more about what's happening. And we have some there amazed in verse 12, they say, what does this mean? You can almost like hear the excitement, eager to find out more. Then in verse 13, we're told there were others there that was quite sceptic. We had a little chuckle when this verse was, was read out. Those that are ridiculed say, oh, they're just drunk. There's messed around stuff going there. They've been on the wine, done an all-nighter. And I think we get that kind of response today, don't we? When we live differently, uh, equipped for God. People are intrigued, but there's different responses. But they come. And it gives us an opportunity when they ask, even if they're ridiculing us a bit, it gives us an opportunity to speak about God and to make him known. And here we see the Holy Spirit equipping Peter 
Peter has the courage and bravery to stand up and speak. And we know there's an awful lot of people that are attracted to what's going on here because we find out later that after Peter's long sermon, 3,000 people uh, come to faith that day. Presumably, there are also people that come that don't come to faith that day and go away as well. Um, He might have had a 100% success rate, who knows? We don't. But it says 3,000 people were added. And this is the same Peter as well. Do you remember that we looked at a few weeks ago in 40 days with Jesus? This same Peter that had denied Jesus, denied that he even knew who this Jesus figure was three times before Jesus was crucified. And then Jesus had this wonderful uh, restoring conversation with him that we looked at where Jesus instructed Peter to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs, to share the good news with them and saying that he will do this. But also Jesus then said, I'm going to give you the power you need to do this. I'm going to equip you to do this like he did with all the other disciples that we looked at last week. And here it, it happens. The Holy Spirit comes, it rests, he rests on Peter and Peter begins to live out his recommissioned life full of confidence making God known in the world with God's presence in him so at the start of this talk I mentioned that the Holy Spirit is for all of us I hope you remember that point the Holy Spirit is for every single one of us here we are living in the same time God-wise as that first day of Pentecost we are living as disciples with the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven but God present with us by the person of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit hasn't changed his power his power hasn't diminished his abilities are still there and God longs for us all to be open to him, to invite him into our lives. And when we do that, the Spirit will equip us for what we need. The Holy Spirit will draw us closer together as a community. It will help us. He will help us grow in love. But more than that, the Spirit will equip us to play our part in making him known in the world, in bringing transformation that is so needed. And wouldn't it be great if we come back here next Sunday having all been filled by the Spirit, having added 3,000 people to our church. We'd have to go on a huge building project. But the Holy Spirit has the same power today. Let's trust it and live by it. We're probably not all Peters here, God is probably not asking us to speak in front of thousands of people. But he is asking each and every one of us to trust his spirit. And as we go out later on today, to go with the power of the spirit in us and making him known in the world. Amen.